Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research, and today we're looking back at 2023 and some of our favorite GovCasts from the year. With me today are managing editor Ross John Fortune and staff writer researchers Jayla Whitfield and Jordan McDonald. Hi, everyone. Hello, Alex. Hi. Hey, Alex. 2023 has been a busy year for GovCast. I'm looking through our website now and just scrolling through all the episodes we've published. So we wanted to take today's episode to reflect on a fantastic year of podcasts, fantastic year for guests, and a fantastic year for GovCIO Media and Research. Is that fantastic enough for you all? I hope so, because we have got five episodes that we are highlighting. So let's kick things off with a relatively recent episode from October. Jayla, would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah, of course. This podcast was really interesting. I got to talk with Brian Mazinek. He's the deputy director of the Office of Preparedness in the Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response. This episode was pretty interesting because we got to dive into a couple of different things. He's really a multi-talented individual. While he works in government, focuses a lot on cybersecurity and critical infrastructure protection, he's also the author of a cybersecurity war book, and he's currently a professor. So he's a very busy individual. In the current role that he's in, he just got into this role. At the time of the podcast, it was about 10 months into the role. So he's about 12 months into this role now. And it's really focused on cybersecurity protection which is critical for healthcare agencies to protect their networks and their data from cyber attacks. He really describes it as a life and death situation. In his previous roles, they focus a lot on efforts to establish insider threat programs and make sure that there's defense intelligence when it comes to cybersecurity threats. So he's really taking a lot of the things that he's previously learned and worked on into this role to make sure that he's putting security first when it comes to healthcare agencies. Uh, the public health sector deals with cybersecurity threats at an alarming rate, and he describes it as something that's increasing in volume and sophistication. So there's a really big challenge on his hands and his colleagues' hands to fight this challenge face on and also make sure that as these cybersecurity threats continue to increase, that they're elevating their game to keep up. Um, and in addition, lastly, we talked a lot about how technology is helping in this he talked a lot about how AI and emerging technologies are really coming together to help fight against these cybersecurity threats. They've put together a lot of different initiatives and programs when it comes to technology, like the risk tool that can be used. Um, and they're leveraging these technologies to make sure that they're creating resources to really fight against cybersecurity threats overall. So yeah, it was a great episode, um, one that I really enjoyed just because of how complex of an individual he is, it really makes you feel like you could do anything. You can be unstoppable. You can work for the government, you can write books, and you can be a professor. What we're trying to do is really can elevate our um, activities and supporting the sector to deal with the cyber threats. As I noted, the threats are increasing in frequency, in intensity, in sophistication, and continuing to evolve, and we need to do the same. So to, um, we are have undertaken this year a number of, of uh, steps to try to to better support the sector, including within ASPR, 
We've established a new cybersecurity division within our Office of Critical Infrastructure Protection and are going to be in the, in the process of staffing that fully out. And, and we hope that that will better support the sector in pushing out um, best practices and resources that we've developed so they can bolster their cybersecurity and also significantly enhancing our incident um, response capability because we do have a role when we when inevitably these cyber attacks occur and we're tracking a half dozen or more every week um, in the sector we play a role in helping entities respond to and recover from those cyber attacks so that's an area where we're really going to be focused in the coming year to increase our ability to do that Thank you so much, Jayla. Yeah, I remember editing this episode and really enjoying your conversation. And it was also interesting that we've had actually a few authors on GovCast this year. I know at the time of this publication, our most recent one was with Jennifer Palka, who was also discussing a book. So I really like that attitude of you can do it all working for the federal government and pursuing other goals. So let's move on to our next podcast that we are highlighting. This one is also from October. Ross, can you tell me about your conversation with Will Cahoe? Sure. Will is uh, the 10X program communication lead at GSA. Now, 10X is interesting because it's this program that crowdsources ideas from federal employees and puts them into this venture capitalist style funding process and model to turn these ideas into public-facing uh, digital products uh, for the federal government. Now, 10X is fascinating to me because better digital government, transitioning to better digital government, and the digital customer experience are things that we have covered extensively on GovCast. I've been covering it my entire career, essentially. It has been one of the Gordian knots that uh, the federal government has been trying to unfold on not, I guess. And the conversation with Will really highlighted how 10X is doing that and how they're taking a very different approach. You know, you mentioned, Alex, my conversation with Jen Palka uh, that's on uh, GovCast right now. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and a lot of what Jen talked about was the processes that can stagnate and can really depress innovation in government. And 10X is trying to go the other way and to try to really take a somewhat radical approach to funding and processing ideas into reality. So there's a lot of, they generate a lot of waste as the phrase goes. They have a lot of ideas that they throw out. They have a lot of ideas that don't get to the final stage. But as Will noted uh, when I was talking to him, they have had some very, very big successes. Examples are code.gov, uh, login.gov, you know, the single sign-in program for the government, and of course, the U.S. web design system, which is kind of massive. So applying lean development principles and a funneling process is something that 10X is doing in a way that generally government doesn't. It really cuts a lot of the stagnation. And uh, that program, I, I wonder if other agencies are going to look at it or if they have looked at it and how it can be a model for other uh, similar kind of incubators. I think one of the strengths of 10X is that, um, and this is something that I really, I, I think that civil servants really have a, a unique, incredible opportunity here, um, which is to sort of bring your whole selves to work, right? 
So we exist out in the world. We go to playgrounds with kids. We go to board meetings. We read the newspaper. We see the media. Um, so I think we have a sense of what um, kind of a pulse on what's going on in the country. What are people um, talking about? What um, sort of concerns do people have? Thank you, Ross. Yeah, I remember with that conversation, uh, what really stuck out to me was that federal web design and that accessibility aspect and also the trustworthiness of that .gov website and having that consistency for everybody across platforms, really helping to link the federal government in the minds of citizens, but also make sure that you know, they can trust that website with their personal information. So next up, Jordan, I know that you only started recently, so you got a chance to dive into the GovCast archives from this year. Which episode did you choose? I chose Wayne Jacobs, who is the special agent in charge of the criminal and cyber division at the FBI's Washington field office. It was a really interesting conversation, I found, uh, especially because I didn't know much about the subject to begin with. Uh, uh, Jacobs oversees the division where they tackle two things uh, on the criminal side, mostly things like uh, in recent years, uh, the explosion of the PPP loan fraud, hate crimes and violent crime. And then on the cybercrime side of things, cybercrime perpetrated by nation state actors, as well as criminals who are just launching normal disruptive attacks for financial gain or a new thing that he mentioned, which is like cybercrime as a service, you know, paying for platforms or services and make it easier to commit cybercrime. He's been in the role for just about, or just over two years, and he was reflecting on the priorities for the division's uh, year in 2023. The world's changed a lot since he first started at the FBI, cybercrime, which wasn't a major issue uh, you know, 10, 20 years ago, has now become a massive problem um, as society shifted online, disputes don't end normally because of social media, Data has become more commodified, more valuable, and the risk of criminal activity online has increased um, as criminals have also gotten better at spoofing and seeming more credible uh, when it comes to fraud schemes. So he discussed a lot about the ways that the division is tackling those crimes, especially um, as data and information become so extensive, it's hard to keep track of even if you do have the evidence to convict somebody because there's just so much on the Internet. Uh, he really focused and highlighted the partnerships as the way that they're tackling cybercrime, uh, whether it's with agencies like DHS, CISA, DOD, the private sector, or even international partners, um, and saying no, those partnerships help track down criminals more efficiently, as well as you know having human sources, people who just report criminal activity they see on the internet. He also said that one of the more important things when it comes to tackling cybercrime will be training and hiring. Uh, he pointed to things like the FBI's Innovation Center in Huntsville, Alabama, and also just trying to grab people from cyber disciplines like computer science and data science as a way to tackle crime. And when it comes to emerging tools, he also focused on and highlighted uh, the potential of AI, despite reservations that people might have about the government's use of emerging technology like that as a way that can uh, help better assist the agency in tackling cybercrime. Yeah, I think one of the keys there, and you'll probably hear me talk about it throughout this discussion, is, is partnership, right? Partnership certainly sits at the foundation of uh, law enforcement's work and obviously the, the Bureau's work by extension. And so I, I would look at that in, again, a, a few different 
uh, components. One is sort of our, our, our logical partners in the space. Think about uh, Department of Homeland Security, CISA, Department of Defense. Um, but then um, perhaps most importantly is our partnership with the private sector. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, this episode uh, gave me a lot of anxiety thinking about all of the cyber threats online and the idea that you don't even have to be some sort of cyber genius to just buy the parts to make a ransomware attack happen. I mean, it's enough to keep you up at night, but it's also really reassuring to hear about how the FBI is taking steps to mitigate this issue. Next up, we have a conversation with the U.S. Mint CIO, Francis O'Hearn. I think this is the first time we've had anybody from the U.S. Mint on any of our podcasts. So I know I was intrigued when I took a listen to your conversation. Jayla, what did you talk about? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. That's one of the things I was going to point out. It was just a really informative episode just because it's not something that we usually dive into a lot, but there's so much there. Um, Francis really highlights key technology strategies that are supporting innovation in the coin production. And for those that may not may not know, U.S. Mint really focuses on coin production. So in 2019, just a little background, the Mint produced more than 12 billion coins. And in 2024, they're estimated to produce about 14.4 billion coins. And they are one of the sole producers of the nation's coinage. So they are doing a lot over there. But for Francis, he oversees the IT budget at the U.S. Mint, which accumulates almost $60 million. And he breaks down how that's being used and how he's leading the leadership at the Mint. One of the things that he talked about is how... When he got this role, it was at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. So that was pretty challenging coming into a role as chief information officer. And a lot of your uh, staff is either remote, they may not be in the office, you're not getting that face-to-face -face contact. So it was really a different kind of ball game that he wasn't used to. Um, of course, it's something that we've all kind of gotten used to now, but they are back in office now and some are remote, but they have worked all of that out. And he also points out how it's a transformational time in government with emerging technology and AI. When it comes to the Mint, they're using AI when it comes to the behind the scenes things. So it's more so focused on for the production or for workforce development um, to make sure there's always a human in the loop. They're also using AI and emerging technology to focus on different initiatives at the agency that they put together to focus on cybersecurity threats, the industrial control systems, all those sorts of things. So this episode was really informative. It was great to talk with someone from the Mint because I had never talked to someone from that agency before and get just a closer look into what they're doing and all the coins that they're making on a daily basis. <laughs> from a Technical perspective, uh, I'm, I'm kind of letting the enterprise architecture work that we're doing lead the way. Um, as I mentioned, we don't have a target architecture, but we're going to get one here in the next 12 months. And that's going to be really good because we can use the technologies of today to kind of focus where we want to be in the future. Again, rather than reacting to an issue in our operating environment that just demands a response now. So that means 
better technology and better integration going forward. And that, that really excites me because I, I think that's just going to make us so much more effective in the future. Thank you, Jayla. I'll be honest, when I first heard this episode topic, I was thinking, what on earth does cyber have to do with physical coins? Um, And I know that was not the smartest thought. And yeah, it kind of gives you a lot of insight into what all of these federal agencies, even the ones not directly tied in with cyber, how they have to deal with those same issues and make it a part of their office. So wrapping up our conversation of our favorite podcast of the year, Ross, I'm going to throw it to you. Which episode would you like to highlight? In November, I talked modernization with Melvin Brown II. He's the deputy CIO at the Office of Personnel Management. OPM isn't a big name agency, but the OCIO is super important uh, for the 2 million plus people who are employed Uh, by the federal government. Brown and his colleagues are in the ongoing process of modernization and keeping all that data secure that OCIO has because there are a lot of feds. OPM is the government's HR agency. Because OPM is the government's HR agency, I also, of course, had to talk about HR type things. And we did talk about the remote work, the hybrid work, and some of the successes that Brown has had in his office of opening up the hiring pool to people and bringing in uh, new and young and early career technologists to OCIO. He talks specifically about the Pathways program, which I know sounds kind of intuitive to a lot of people, but it gets people in the internship realm, I guess, and basically gets them to be hired full time. And that has been a big priority for Brown. Every organization in government needs to get younger and uh, OPM's OCIO is really uh, working hard to do that. From a data perspective, one of the things that you know the, the data strategy did do was highlight the wealth of data that OPM has and how sharing that data across the enterprise, specifically you know, as the HR agency for the entire federal government, we've got HR data that once it's consolidated can bring extreme value to, to agencies just from our hiring, from our attrition, from our demographics, All of that enterprise level data helps agencies look at it from not just their own perspective, but from a government wide perspective so that we can come up with a consolidated HR and hiring strategy for the federal workforce. Thank you, Ross. That wraps up our conversation on our favorite GovCasts of the year. I know you're all wondering, Alex, don't you have an opinion on this? And I say, I love all of our episodes equally. But that being said, our episode on the ABCs of government IT, where I challenge everybody to guess the acronyms of federal agencies, was personally very fun for me. I think everybody else disagrees that it was an awful time. But hey, I enjoyed it. It just, it was personally devastating for me because it was one of the first ones I had done. And Anastasia wiped the floor with me, so I got beat like a drum. All in the name of good podcasting, right? Before we let you all go, I just want to ask if you have any predictions for next year. It can either be podcast-related or federal IT generally. What are you all looking ahead to? 
I am looking forward to talking about contracting. I know that's not the most exciting thing, uh, but I know a lot of people in our audience do care about it. And the uh, White House has put forward this better contracting initiative set of memos. And uh, this is a tiny preview of an interview I'll be doing in the next month about this. But generally, contracting, as I've had conversations with people in and out of government, is very much a shadow workforce for the government. And there's a lot of uh, meat on that particular conversational bone. And I'm looking forward to having multiple conversations throughout 24 about uh, the Better Contracting Initiative and IT contracting uh, more generally. For me, I'm excited particularly about the Replicator Drone Program with the DOD and seeing how they're going to leverage their existing funds to fund drones. But on the VA side of things, I am really excited to see uh, how the department goes forward with its modernization plan. That's one of the first things that I started reporting on when I got here, and that's something I intend to follow through on until they figure it out or I leave. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited uh, for future GovCast, especially just because they get to dive into those personal stories. And it, get, it really gives you an overview of people's background, their experience, and it gets you excited about the possibilities of things that you could do in government if you're interested in government or the ways that technology may continue to change and continue to help these agencies achieve their missions. Well, thank you, everybody, for your predictions and for a stellar year of GovCasts. I'm predicting another year of terrific, insightful conversations on everything federal IT. But in the meantime, we'll be back next week with a brand new GovCast before we take a little break for the holidays. But until then, if you like what you heard, make sure that you subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. And hey, tell a friend. We always appreciate growing our audience. And if you need an episode to prime a new person for what we do here at GovCAO Mean Research, I think this might be a pretty good one. Um, I hope that new listeners go back and listen to the episodes that we've highlighted and that old listeners stick with us for another year of GovCast. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Ross Sharfertune. I'm Jayla Whitfield. And I'm Jordan McDonald. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.